Thank you so much. It smells like fall in here. I can smell the. I can smell the fall. Yes, <laughs> it's it's fine. Yeah, it's pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin spice service. Welcome to your pumpkin spice service. Um, uh, my doctor has indicated that eating dried grapes would be good for me. I'm just raising awareness. Okay, there you go. There's your pun for the evening. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, with the idea of repairing your relationships. Repairing your relationships. James 1, 19 through 21, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and thank you for your word. We are always grateful for what it does in our hearts. I thank you for these who've come this evening that you would bless them. And as we hear your word and hear from you, Pray that we would take to heart whatever message you have for us individually. Uh, Lord, if it's just to keep it and say, I'll remember that when that time comes or it's act upon it immediately, uh, that is only for you and Holy Spirit to decide. So we pray, Lord, you'd lead and guide us in every step and every moment and every movement that we make on your behalf. We want those words to save us and to direct us. We pray in your holy name. Amen. If you were to summarize this, I would say as Christians, our desire should be to have strong relationships because they speak volumes about our relationship with Christ. The relationships we have with others speak volumes because of our relationship with Christ. You think you've got problems? Consider the marriage of this mayhem created when 76-year-old Bill Baker of London recently wed Edna Harvey, she happened to be his granddaughter's husband's mother. Granddaughter's husband's mother. Let's see if you can figure that out. Now the confusion begins, according to Baker's granddaughter, Lynn. It wasn't so much him, it was what his marriage created for the family member, Lynn, his granddaughter. My mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. My grandfather is now my step-grandfather-in-law. My mom is my sister-in-law, and my brother is my nephew. But even crazier than that, I'm now married to my uncle, and my own children are my cousins. <laughs> I think I've seen things like that before in, in strange marriages. And from this experience, Lynn uh, should gain profound insight into the theory of relativity, if you could say it that way. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just too easy. I think sometimes relationships can cause confusions. Wouldn't you agree? In their case, it's, 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 it's almost beyond silly to think about what would happen because of a, of a marriage within that situation. Not by blood in any sense, but because of intermarriage, and you get those relationships. But confusion in relationships is a part of the fabric of life. As we relate to one another and, and as we interact, our human natures 
take effect sometimes. And that effect can change the way that we relate to one another and can cause confusion. Things that one person wants, the other one doesn't, things like that. Each day we deal with, if you will, the reality of those relationships. The frankness of those relationships and how those relationships can push our buttons. How we handle those relationships, though, I think goes back to that quote, it speaks volumes of our relationships with Christ. How we handle, how we relate to other individuals. Not every relationship is the same. We have all sorts of relationships, all sorts of of interactions with other individuals. But every time we deal with people, we're dealing, if you will, in the commodity of relationships. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. Sometimes we're excited about them and sometimes we're not. Here are just a few of the relationships you encounter on a daily basis. I'm sure parent-child, you see that, spouse, siblings, employer, employee. Just those four is enough to drive you crazy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I mean, maybe some only one category is enough to drive you crazy. But we all deal with this, and, and in many times, I have sat through work uh, hours and next to a cubicle or, or in, in an office with someone, and I have listened to them go through a relationship merry-go-round on their phone next to me through every one of these relationships. They get a phone call from a child who needs something from them. How much is it going to cost me? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or their spouse who asks them to do something. Or maybe their siblings, and in Teresa's case, as you deal with an aging parent, or and certainly employer-employee, you, you want that by when? You know, we would say in the office. I always ask that question. What's my deadline? When do you need this by, you know? It's not uncommon that with just these four relationships to deal with them over and over and over within a day. Do you realize that studies have shown that you can only make so many cognizant, valid, good decisions within a day. You get up into the 50s and the 100 decision category, you're starting to get tired mentally in making decisions. And just and some of our small things, do, do I want a coffee or I don't want a latte? Do I, do I want to stop at this gas station or that gas station? Do I want to go shopping before or after work? All those things start making your decision bucket full. And then you start dealing with family members who are asking more and more and more of you or work or spouse. And then at some point that bucket tips over and it's a mess. We can only handle so many decisions within a day before we mentally start making bad decisions. And unfortunately, in relationships, the bad decisions means we may say or do something to someone who we really do love and appreciate, but they hit us at the wrong time tipping point in our bucket and we say or do something that we are sorry for later but relationships happen like that and it's all that we deal with i like uh smalley dr smalley is a relationship individuals a counselor and in one of his books he says life is relationships the rest is just details this is the greatest truth everything in life that truly matters can be boiled down to relationships I think he's correct. I mean, you, you, you look, as we did this morning, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the Godhead, the, the relationship that's there has fostered 
millions of books to just talk about the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how we think about those. Billions of words have probably been written just on those three relationships. And yet all those relationships affect us and change who we are. Smalley adds, almost everything we do touches a relationship in some way. Just think about your day. When you're at home, at work, you're driving your car, playing, exercising, shopping, vacationing, worshiping at church, or doing any one of the other many activities you and I do every day, we're constantly involved with people. We even interact with people in our sleep, don't we? We, we have dreams about these, but we can't even get away from people in our sleep. There's no escaping relationships, he says. And I think that's true. We, we can't escape relationships. They're a part of life. They are life. Again, in this morning as I quote, I quote again, no man is an island unto himself. We are not. We relate to everybody else. Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott from their books, Relationships, says this about the crucial subject. Recently, a pioneering band was a researcher studied an age-old mystery of what makes people happy. That'd be nice to know, wouldn't it? If I knew what made me happy, then maybe I could be happy. The answer was not what you might expect. The article goes on to say, it it appears consistently at the top of the charts is not success. It is not wealth. It is not achievement. It is not good looks. It's not any of those things enviable assets as much as we would like to have all of those things the clear winner as you might guess relationships that's what brings happiness nothing reaches so deeply into the human personality tugs so tightly as relationships why well for one reason it's the only context of connection that I have with others that meets my deepest needs. By relating to you, a smile from your face, a hug from you, a nice word, a kind word can change my day. But in contrast, a stiff arm, a frown, an evil, bad thought or word distributed to my ego can destroy that in a day. It is the tightness of the relationship that brings happiness. Whether we like it or not, each of us has an unshakable dependence upon others. I need you, you need me. It's what philosopher John Donne said when he said, no man is an island. We need camaraderie. We need affection. We need love. We need each other. It's a survival kit for a species. Our relationships keep us alive used to be it was around a fire when animals are on the outside of the fire but today it's what keeps us mentally alive even as we sit in air-conditioned comfort in our homes with no fear or worry from animal attacks but the problem is that many have superficial relationships not real relationships they're fake they're not genuine again it's the smile that doesn't quite reach the face Oh, we know the person, we interact with the person, but they really don't help us in our relationship need. So, 
What are some biblical bases for relationships? I, I look at the passage of Scripture that we have seen, but I think of others. And in it, I discover, I think, first of all, that God is foundational to relationships. I mean, he's the creator of relationships, right? He made man and woman. He put them in a garden. He walked in the garden with them. He related to them. God is foundational to all relationships. There is no possible way to have a good relationship with other people and not have a right relationship with the Creator. I will never have a good relationship with you if I don't have a good relationship with God. It's not possible because I don't know how you work apart from God. I'm guessing. But when I read the scripture and I pray to him, he tells me what I need to know and how I need to relate to people around me. The moment that people neglect their relationship with God is the moment they short-circuit all their other relationships. If I am not fellowshipping with God, I can't relate to you. I, again, believe it's why Jesus, a great while before morning, went away from everybody else and prayed to God. To, to have that context helps me understand It's what kept Jesus sane, his relationship with the Father. And it let him deal with the minutiae that he was dealing with. I mean, you know, the the lady tugging at his his pant leg, so to speak, his, his robe. Or someone standing in his face, arguing and yelling at him, calling him, you know, from the devil. Or maybe the thousands of endless questions from the people he he talked to every day and the disciples' inane questions and arguments like we've seen recently about who's the greatest in the kingdom. I think all of that Jesus must have said, oh, my Lord. (laughs) But then he did say that, oh, my Lord, help me. I believe that's what he was doing when he was praying. He was getting his relationship right with the Father. And a right relationship with the Father gives us foundation to have an effective and successful relationship with everybody else. The relationship with God is foundational. I think, secondly, we're created for relationships. Life is made up of our different kind of relationships that you and I have with each other. There's no way to fully communicate the impact of relationships and what effect they have on our life. I I can't adequately explain that. You can't either. You just know it to be the case. Without your relationships, you wouldn't be who you are. The quality of our life is not based on the material things I have. I guarantee you, I have been there, I have sat there, and I did not ask for my checkbook balance. I did not ask for my car keys. When life came to the point of almost being over, I asked for family, relationships. It is what we were created for. People can have massive material possessions and wealth and live in poverty relationally have no relations with anyone else you think of the Howard Hughes of the world who you know what in the world happened to him at the end of his life and the relationship that should have been there with all the people and all the success that he had imploded on him and now he's a man in a dark room with long gnarly fingernails and long hair apart from a normal relationship with everyone else he should have had. Our relationships make our lives valuable. They bring value to our life. You bring value to my life in the relationship that we have with one another. Thirdly, relationships are the bridge, I think, of the gospel. God uses those relationships that you and I have 
to communicate his message of the gospel to a world. Go ye therefore and preach. Go on out. You shall be witnesses. How beautiful are the feet of the... All those verses that you know to be true are relational verses. They send me out to people and I share my relationship with God with other people. Relationships are the medium. It's the way the good news is spread. It's how God touches other people's lives. Notice that when the good news is shared in the New Testament, whole families and whole households came to know the Lord. And his whole household, you look at the you know, Philippian jailer. You look at those people, and, and it was the relationship. They came at one point, heard the gospel, and it spread through everybody else, relationally. Sharing the gospel means that we begin in our closest circle and our personal connections and we work our way out. I believe it's that way because it's the way that it's most tested. If I can be Christ-like in my family, I can be Christ-like at work. If my family sees the genuineness of my relationship with Christ, I can therefore move forward, I believe, and touch other people's lives. It's fake to think that somehow if I just, you know, go be a missionary, I can be more successful in sharing my relationship somehow than I can with my family. No, that's where it begins. That's where it always begins. I think James gives some excellent advice on maintaining healthy relationships. You, you look there back at verse 19 when he says, my dear brothers. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. I think there are, are ways to determine healthy relationships. Three ways I'll talk about here in a minute. James lays out some basic developing and maintaining of healthy relationships. He gives us insight on how we can take these relationships and make them better. Three issues that will... I think, break us into the area of relationships better than any others as we look at these scriptures. We have to be willing to listen to others, slow to speak and become angry. I think these keys help us in relationships and keep us from making major relationship mistakes. So number one, be quick to listen. Here's what Zeno, the philosopher, said. You've heard this quoted many times, but here's where it came from. We have two ears, but only one mouth, that we may listen more than speak less. Now, I'm, Grandma said that, but she never quoted Zeno. <laughs> she didn't know that he had said it, but she'd heard it from somebody else, and it just seems obvious, right? I have two ears and one mouth. Talk less and listen more. Listening takes time, though, doesn't it? A willingness it takes patience. I have to be able to let my ego go aside. Most people today do not take time to listen to others. Those who are dealing with problems and pain often need help. But what they need more is just a listening ear sometimes. Many times in, in relationships, sometimes in counseling sessions, uh, I, I get to a point where I ask someone, are you asking me to help you fix something or just to listen? And many times it's just listen. I know you can't fix my problem. I just want to talk with somebody about it. Great. I'm here. And so we listen. They talk, and I listen. Relationships mean that we care enough to listen to others. Many problems that happen in relationships are directly related to a lack of communication. I don't know. That's why you and I, when we first started our journey together, went over that 
for weeks. As we talked about how to communicate with one another and how to talk with one another. Misunderstandings, misrepresentation, miscommunications, they all come down because people don't actively listen to one another. We don't take the time to listen to the closest people to us. How do we expect we'll listen to anybody else? And when we don't listen, we see those relationships start to crumble. The foundation begins to fall apart. Listening is not only a matter of hearing with our ears, but I believe also hearing with our heart. Take the time to care enough to listen. Number two, be slow to speak. One problem with many relationships is that everyone wants to have the last word and to have their opinion matter more than others. Uh, It goes back to ego. I have the biggest story, the biggest issue. The issues that rise from that attitude is not that everyone is going to get the last word, right? It can't happen. I mean, if you're trying to be the person that gets the last word, people kind of pick up on that, and they stop talking to you because of that. The reality is that the problems with, that we have and the desire to speak flow from a lack of a willingness to listen to the other person. If I have to be that person that has the last word, I'm, I'm just not willing to listen to you. Slow to speak means that we speak with humility and patience. The words that we use are not said with haste. They're said with care and I think protection. What am I protecting? I'm protecting that relationship because it means so much. It's foundational in my life. I care about you and I care about a relationship, so I'm going to be careful with the words that I use. I'm going to think about the words that I use. Here recently, I've had this discussion with you guys on more than one occasion. Uh, You know, it's not uncommon for people to joke and and I don't I, I don't fault anyone who has a joking relationship. I, it's fine. It's just part of the nature of who we are. But I learned a long time ago I can be very biting in, in my jokes. It's just the nature. It's just my mind. It seems like I can find your button and I can push it really well. And I've hurt people in the past because of that. And so I avoid those kinds of confrontations where I begin to joke and kid with other people. And maybe sometimes they think that I'm not trying to be friendly. And it's not. I'm trying to save the relationship. Because I guarantee you, as a, in junior high and high school, this got me in a lot of trouble. And more than one occasion, I, my mouth wrote a check my body could not cash. And I think sometimes we do that relationally as well. We say things that we really shouldn't say. Listening is it. The model that Jesus sets for us in communication is that we have a stronger relationship because we care for the other people and we listen. Number three, be slow to become angry. Be slow to become angry. James speaks about an emotional response to others and how it impacts the overall relationship, and and that's anger. If we desire to have a successful relationship, we have to control our anger. And we do get angry. People make us mad. Our family makes us mad. I told you to take out the trash. They make us mad. I, don't park the car like that. Don't leave your bicycle in the... the you know, all those things that we have said over and over again, and it seems like nobody listens to us, and it makes us angry. Those are minor things, but we also have others that we might not want to mention here that make us angry as well. Things that sometimes our spouse does or we say. Some things that make us angry and our temper 
will get us in trouble in our relationships. Anger works against, I think, the first two issues that we looked at in James. Anger clouds our judgment and stops us from listening. When I'm angry, I will not hear you. Because in my mind, I'm, tr- I- I- I'm venting. And, and maybe it, venting comes out in my mouth as well. Anger causes us to lose control of our tongue, and we say things that we would not normally say. And each of us has been guilty of refusing to listen and letting anger flow through us to another individual. Words have power. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Oh, no. That is a lie. Words stick with us forever. We remember the things that people have said to us, and it hurts us. Anger is the arsenic of relationships. It poisons everything it touches. The reality is if we have to hope that we can control our anger, if we're ever going to have stable relationships, that's why there are anger management classes in work settings, because If you have an angry, loose cannon at work, it destroys everything. And you've got to fix that, or you'll never have a good working relationship with the people around you. It damages our relationships, and I think it damages our testimony, who we are in Christ. A couple of verses that I found in looking at this in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 17, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. 1429, a quick-tempered man displays folly. 1518, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. And all that, I can say, amen, I've seen it. You have too. So what do we do? Well, let me give you three principles about relationships, I think, that may help us. God cares about the relationships you and I have. God cares about every aspect of relationship. God cares about our relationships because it's his desire that we not be alone We were created to enjoy relationships, but the reality is sin and sinfulness unleashes havoc in our ability to relate to others. So we need a Savior who can forgive us, and that's what we have in Christ. A God who cares is what we have. And because we have a God who cares, we can change our relationships. Second, relationships require some effort. Nothing we do is in a vacuum. It, I relate to you, you relate to me, it changes who we are. There's some, something about the static electricity of our lives that draws us together. And in that, I need to develop that relationship so that it flourishes. I told you about my family and how they like to do gardens. And I've watched, you know, when they've said, oops, I forgot to water this morning. And you go out and you see the flowers are wilting and and you recognize it's going to happen. But relationships are like that too. Unless I take care of them, water them, and nurture them, it won't happen. We'll always be faced with some challenge, but we have to build stronger relationships. We have a God that cares. We need to care. We need to care if relationships are going to work. Relationships will often make us give more than we receive. I said that right. Relationships will often make us give more than we receive. Sometimes some people just aren't capable. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't try to build a relationship. 
If you're in a relationship simply because of what you get, you're likely in it for the wrong reasons. Some of the friends that I developed over the years started out certainly one-sided. They needed help from me. And I helped them. I was there for them. And in that, we developed a relationship. We're never going to be able to grow a deepening relationship with others if we're unwilling to give anything. I think you have to be willing to understand there can be no benefit in our relationships if we give nothing to them. So relationships, to use the Latin or not, quid pro quo, I do something for you, you do something for me. That's not how relationships work. Jesus came and died for us. The relationship example is take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. You're going to have to die to some things for your relationships to go ahead. It's the meat offered to idols issue. I'm going to give up some of my rights so that we can have a relationship and that can develop. It's going to be one-sided. That's the truth of it. Some relationships are one-sided. Accept it and work through it. You may develop a relationship that you really like. To finish up, Gary Smalley states, the truth is we do have a choice. We're full of choices. You will choose to stay stuck in a relationship or will you determine to work through the problems in that relationship? He goes on to say, will you choose to hold on to your resentment or will you choose to face that resentment and find freedom from it? I'm going to let it go. Will you choose to hurt the other person when he hurts or she hurts? Or will you choose to look beyond the hurt and possibly let yourself see them as they hurt and recognize again maybe you need to let it go? Will you choose to run from a relationship when it gets sticky or will you choose to honor the relationship and the problem? Will you choose to look at yourself through distorted lenses of ego or will you choose to see yourself as God sees you I stare into the mirror but I don't really get a good image right away but it gets better as I turn to Christ in that relationship I think that's the basis of that verse in counseling people from across the country he goes on to say I am constantly amazed of how powerful it is when a person makes the right choice relationally. Changes everything. Life is relationships. The rest is just details. God made you for relationships. And God wants you to repair those relationships. The only choice is whether you will make those relationships work or whether you will cause yourself and others great pain. I'm grateful for a God who said they're worth it. Who, even though it was one-sided, decided we were worth it. Who, even though it caused him great pain, said we were worth it. And in the end, we have the best relationship creation could ever have let's pray heavenly father come to you this evening and ask you to help us with the relationships that you have put us in some of them father are fractured some of them are dysfunctional 
Some of them need major repair, but the good news is you can help us to repair those. We come to you, Father, in this moment and ask you to move us, motivate us. Get us to the place that we are willing to repair the relationship. Get us to the place that we see it as part of a Christian witness to forgive others, to leave our offering, to go and to deal in a way that builds the relationship in the way that you intend for it to be. Forgive us when we, in our ego, demand more, listen less. Clear our ears and our hearts and make us available to you. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.